This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Girls Room, where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s that is HBO's Girls. I'm Julia Gray, and with me I have my incredible co-host, Drew Haskins, and we have a very special guest with us, Time Culture reporter Moises Mendez. Welcome to the girls' room. How does it feel? Honestly, it's a lot nicer than I thought it'd be in here. (laughs) Thank you so much. We just got it redone. Yeah, we we decorated in the style of... uh, Charlie's apartment, like all boxes, all edges, like very QB fun target ad. Exactly. A target ad. And I love it. It's actually uh, modeled after Muji first, Charlie's apartment second. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. But they're one and the same. So to start out, I'd love to just hear a bit about your experience with girls. Earlier this month, you tweeted, and I quote, Rewatching girls because I don't love myself. So I'd I'd love to kind of unpack that. Yeah. Well, first I'm I'd like to think that I'm pretty dramatic. Uh, so <laughs> of I um, but I remember watching girls when it first came out, and I was following along with it. But I kind of do this thing where I, like I watch shows, and then I kind of just fall off if I miss an episode, and I'm like, you know what? I really don't care enough. Um, but since my job is mainly like watching TV and watching movies and stuff like that, I kind of caught up on everything I wanted to. So I was sitting at home, you know, while my roommate was away in Italy, because everyone's freaking going to Italy for some reason. And we were watching Game of Thrones before she went away. So I was like, well, I have nothing else to watch. Let me try rewatching Girls. And it's kind of a joke that like I was saying with my other roommate. And I started rewatching it. I was like, well, I can't stop now. Like there's just so much that I remember from this show mm-hmm. and it kind of gave me that like nostalgic feeling that I was like oh my god this is like 2012 all over again the music the technology the clothes the makeup literally everything I was like oh my god this is great to be like back in what I felt like you know it was one of my favorite times especially for like pop culture so yeah just to, to go back there yeah, the music is such a huge part. I mean, especially yeah. this episode, having sleigh bells, needle drops, and um, heartbeats by the knife in the same two-episode stretch. And, I mean, we'll get to the pretty girl rock of it all, too, oh, but is that just electric it. stuff this week. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. So how did you originally come to the show? Like, how old were you when it came out? Where were you in your life? Ooh, um... It came out in 2012, so I think that would make me around, like, 16, so, like, sophomore year of high school, mm-hmm. um, like, sort of just coming out or, like, you know, figuring out my sexuality and envisioning what life was going to be like after high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always had this idea that, like, I wanted to move to a big metropolitan city. So, you know, when the show came on, it kind of felt like 
all the things that I wanted it to be. Because obviously, you know, as you guys were talking about in the first episode, like, Sex in the City didn't feel as attainable as this show did. Like, this felt like the things that, you know, 20-somethings go through whenever they're moving into New York City. And, you know, there's a lot of struggles, but also, like, great memories are made. Um, and thankfully, like, you know, I started to enjoy my early 20s right before the pandemic hit in New York City. Um, so I got to see a little bit of that until, you know, now it's just whatever the fuck it is now. Oops, sorry. First, but. Oh, no, we're, we're definitely uh, uh, all, all cursing is allowed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you say you're rewatching because you don't love yourself, like, does that mean you like, what's your relationship <laughs> with the show? Like, like, are, do you think it actually holds up 10 years later? You know, it's not offensive, um, which is good. Yeah. I just say that as like a, I have to, I don't know. I have to think about like what made me want to rewatch it. Like, I think it was more just like a, I'm laughing at the show and not with it, you know? And like, I just, I don't know. I, I felt like I have to try to go into it not thinking too hard about it which is what I do with a lot of shows like you know when you think about and write about things critically like you go into all the shows like with this mindset of like okay well here's what I liked here's what I didn't like what worked and what didn't um and I knew that going into the show is going to be a lot of work um trying to turn that critical part of my brain up so that's the part that was like, okay, well, you know, I don't love myself because I'm like, I'm putting all this work on me when I could just have a simple, nice sitcom viewing experience, you know, but. Yeah. I feel like also a lot of the show is both laughing with it and laughing at it. Like there, there are so many, there are levels. Yeah. Well, mine's more of the latter than the two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's completely fair. Yeah. One of the one of the reasons this show feels so uncomfortable to watch, and I, I mean, I'm definitely a little bit more positive on it. Um, but like blurring these protagonists are just so profoundly unlikable, and because you have this monolithic creator writing the whole show, directing all of it, like the line between creator and character is so transparent in a way that I mean it's I think like now things have softened up a little bit because we have a lot of these like creator driven tv shows like Fleabag and that that sort of thing that are like this doesn't feel like there's that much remove between the two and I think that makes it tough and especially vulnerable to those kinds of criticisms where like you can critique the intent and the product basically at the same time because they're just so like indistinguishable yeah and i think like what makes this a really interesting show to watch especially like seeing lena as the creator and the star of the show it's like it makes me like i don't know it 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 makes sense because of the person that lena is and what she's done after the show came out and the things that she said and you know she's incredibly smart and you know i kind of agree with you guys in saying that she is you know maybe a voice of a generation you know as she said in the first episode but i was like not mine because i'm (laughs) so but you know she's just she's such an unlikable character 
Yeah. I was just like, it's really hard for me to like, you know, watch it and like root for her because I really, really don't like her. And I don't like any of these people. And as the Uh show goes on, I start to like maybe root for some people, but you know, we can get into it, you know, later in the, the show, but there's some characters where I'm like, my God, yeah, don't even want to see your face anymore. Like, please stop talking. I, I think this is a good segue into like a question that we are going to ask every guest going forward. If you can muster up the strength and the self-respect, which girl are you? <laughs> and which girl can you like the most, if possible? I, oh, God. Two different questions. So which girl are you and which one? Can you do you like the most? Very uh, different questions. Okay. Um I don't I would say that I'm it's hard to say which one I like the most because I don't like any of them. Um, because they all have their own flaws in their own ways. But I think I would probably like, does it have to be one of the girls? No, you know, uh, take it how you will. But no, yeah, you know, what do you think, Drew? I'll stick with the girls. I'll stick with the girls because I have an idea. Um, I, I'm really apprehensive to say that my favorite is Shoshana um, because, but I don't identify with her the most because she talks really fast and she talks a lot and a lot of it is nothing. Um, and I have to think that I talk in with some sort of substance, but um, I feel like I could maybe identify with some parts of her and her ambitions and, you know, figuring herself out in, you know, amongst these group of people who, like, are just so deeply flawed in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll say I identify with Shoshana. I like uh, Jessa the most as a character because of, like, just her chaoticness and mm-hmm. her, like, you know, just pure, like... She doesn't think about anyone other than herself. Um, And she's trying to grow out of that. And I think that she has the one with the most potential to, like, you know, be a substantive character in the show. But that's, you know, how I view it. Those are good answers. And our next question, who would you say your girl's boyfriend is? Mine is Adam. Drew's, I don't know who yours is. Mine is Ray. I love Ray. <laughs> like, I feel like every guy I've ever dated has been, like, a variation of Ray. If I dated a Ray, I would literally just, like, move away. I need to be as far away from that person. <laughs> like, he is quite honestly the most, like, just my least favorite character in the entire show. Like, even worse than, like, Marnie, who is just oh, so... Oh my god, she's annoying. But I... I think I want my girl's boyfriend to be kind of a mixture of Charlie and Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, just because Adam is just incredibly hot. Like everything about that man's features. I'm like, I need that <laughs> Charlie, because he deeply, he like keeps trying to give Marnie a chance and he wants to love her, but she just is doing or trying to be in this relationship for herself and not for the actual relationship. Yeah, um, he probably really, really clearly. There's a lot in these two episodes with that, so mm-hmm. looking forward mm-hmm. to getting into um, mm-hmm. all things Marnie Charlie, Char, yeah. Charney, 
Char oh no, not Charmy. Char <laughs> Marley, Marley is better. Ah uh, yeah, I I feel like Marley is better. Mm -hmm. Um, before we dive in, I just want to note mm -hmm. we we are two like cusp millennial mm -hmm. Gen Z, but you are firmly Gen Z, so it's a good perspective to have on. Yeah, I'm born 1997, so yeah. Gen Z all the way. But I feel like an older Gen Z now, because the kids on TikTok, I'm like, some of these trends are going to right over my head. <laughs> you're you're an elder Gen Z, and we're like baby millennials. Exactly. I'm like right on the cusp where it's like, you know, good that I'm in this space to like, you know, be able to identify trends really easily. Mm -hmm. But some of them, I'm like, what are these terms that they're saying? These slang that they're coming up with? And I was like, oh my God. Okay, I'm getting old now. That's good though that you have like the you're not too much of an outsider like you can be discerning about what is and isn't relevant or cool or something to actually like further in the culture but like you're also inside it too. Exactly, very much so. I'm not perfectly any of the culture trends but you know, I'm seeing it from an outsider's perspective, yeah. Yeah. So let's get into it. Um, we watched episodes five and six from season one, Hard Being Easy in the Return. Um, and I think both episodes kind of see the girls, especially Hannah, continuing their like downward spirals and also just revealing the ways in which they're total shitheads. Um, so maybe we can start with Hard Being Easy and we can go through each girl's storyline. Okay. Sounds good. Great. So the episode starts, Infinity Guitars Needle Drop. <laughs> Charlie has found Hannah's diary in the previous episode, which detailed all the ways Marnie's unsatisfied with her, or excuse me, her and Charlie's relationship. Um, and so we open with Charlie and Marnie yelling at each other. Hannah's in the middle, always in the middle, always inserting herself, um, but she's physically in the middle and they're asking her to read the diary out loud to them. It's just this very tense scene. And I'm obsessed with her asking for feedback on the diary entry. Yes. <laughs> that was my insane. favorite part. She just like, she is so wrapped up in her own like quote unquote craft at all times. And we saw it, we see that throughout the rest of this episode too, like with her trying to like do it for the plot. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it, it's just, it is so uncomfortable to watch her at all times. Just like she, her, like her life is a movie to her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I feel like the the moment where I just let out the biggest groan was when she was like, well, if this wasn't about your relationship, would you think it was a good piece of writing? Yeah. And I was like, Can you please stop? Like, this is insane. Like, I don't understand how she thinks these things and just lets them come out of her mouth. I was like, my God. It's uh, Lena Dunham literally writing the most selfish uh, character she could think of. Yeah. She also continues to be very good at writing male characters, too. When Charlie, who I've been on the record on this pod as really disliking, um, he expresses, like, I am a part of the community of this apartment, <laughs> which is such, like, the per it's like a perfect, like, soft boy wellness speak kind of phrase, like, and oh, so no. in character. It's It's perfect yeah they're like you don't pay rent <laughs> <laughs> yeah um excuse me you're freeloading um and he has a beautiful apartment just go over there like exactly no it's so funny um and he also was like oh well um i wish i hadn't read this 
It's like you went into Hannah's personal things and then you've read the diary of her personal thoughts and then got upset about the thoughts that you were not meant to see. Like, what are we doing here with that? Like, you can't be upset that you found something you weren't supposed to. I do find it semi-implausible, though, that someone as type A and as kind of traditionalist as Marnie is wouldn't have gone over to his apartment before. Really? Um, Like, she is someone who seems like she really does not like this, like, freeloading and, like, would want the guy to take a more active role in, like, courtship and, like, that sort of relationship dynamic. So that read a little false to me. Yeah, the fact that they've been dating for this long and she'd never went over there once, it makes no sense. That was one thing I was like, how? How is that even a thing? I think they just really like having Alex Karpovsky in the show because he is such a funny performer, um, regardless of, like, what you think of Ray. Like, he, like, he is just an instant dose of kind of, like, manic energy that feels a little different from the other strains of manic energy on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that did not really, yeah, that did not track to me as realistic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's revealed, um, we jumped the gun a bit, but mm-hmm. it's revealed when uh, Marnie goes to see Ray at his job at Cafe Grumpy to ask for Charlie's address because Mike dropped. She's never been to his apartment. Um, and she's worth noting her outfit here. She's wearing this insane, like, slicked back pony and stilettos to Cafe Grumpy in Greenpoint. It's incredible. Which also, too, we need to talk about Greenpoint being a character in the show because it is the most out-of-the-way part of Brooklyn, and it's so hard to get to. Like, why do they choose that one? speaking to a Greenpoint resident. I'm not. (laughs) Oh, but. (laughs) No, I am. And I um, I agree with you for certain parts of Greenpoint. I think you're right. They yeah. do kind of pay lip service to that on the show. As a non-New York resident myself, like that, this is completely foreign to me. But they do talk about how it's like a train ride and a bus ride away from each other's apartments or something like that. Yeah. yeah. She, she seems to live in like deep Greenpoint. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I but I thought the um, her never Marnie not having been to his apartment was kind of like very realistic, like a very kind of, I'm not committed to the re- this relationship and I have all these excuses. Like it, it does take a while to get to the apartment and everyone's busy in New York and the transit system sucks. So I feel like it's this very Brooklyn, very millennial way of showing their total lack of intimacy. Yeah. And I think too, she, she was in the relationship for her. And the way that she was, like, going back to him and being like, please don't break up with me. It was, like, kind of, you know, she said it with, like, a an underlayer of, you know, I need this for myself and I need to feel good about myself because I'm in a relationship. And, you know, she needed that for herself. So, you know, it was worth it for her to never go over to his apartment because he would always just go to hers. All so it makes sense. Yeah, it's a very self-serving thing. Like, he comes Mm -hmm. to me, I don't have to do anything. Exactly. And she also doesn't want to be the bad guy in a breakup. Like, she doesn't want to instigate a breakup because she did something wrong or hurtful towards him. Like, Mm -hmm. she she wants to be the aggrieved party in this situation. So, like, 
her manufacturing this way to like get back with him. And then, I mean, in their apartment, like they end up having sex and like getting back together more or less. But then he keeps saying all this like wimpy shit, like be nice to my friends and act like my life is real. And, and then he just can't do it anymore. So, I was backing away from my television when this was he was saying this stuff. It's so terrible. So, uh, I kind of watch these episodes like halfway through my eyes because I'm like, I have to, I can't. It's like a horror movie. <laughs> um, so that scene ends. They're having sex and she breaks up with him. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of the end of Marnie's storyline in this episode. Um, but honorable mention to the college flashback scene where Marnie has these insane blunt bangs and <laughs> Jessa's wearing rainbow suspenders, like American Apparel vibe. Yes. Oh, RIP. Yeah. I was also really happy to see Andrew Rannells come back in this yeah. scene too, just because he, I love Elijah so much and him pre um coming out of the closet yeah. getting really excited about the scissor sisters playing at the party really made me laugh yeah it's like how did you not know that he was gay like, oh, yeah <laughs> and he he says to um he says to charlie he's like i'm gonna go fuck my girlfriend like it's it's <laughs> so uh it's great great scene great uh um little hints in that scene yeah and Reynolds is literally a treasure like He's also in Big Mouth, which is phenomenal. Like, yeah, phenomenal. So good. Anything that man does, I love. Like, I didn't really like prom that much, but like the live action with him in it, but that was just so good because of him. Like, that was really it. He's in Book of Mormon too, right? That's him. That was yeah. his big breakout. Yeah, he's yeah. great in that. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't, you know, being wrong. Yep. Could never be wrong. No. <laughs> I think we should um, get into Jessa now. Yep, Catherine Hahn. Oh my Yay. God, thank you for bringing her up. <laughs> Just inc- we'll get into her in a second, but I, we, I have a lot to say about Catherine Hahn. Um, we, the flirtation is bubbling between Jessa and the babysitter daddy. So we see them like kind of just chatting in the bathroom, which is, I mean, not so inappropriate but a little you know it's maybe not the best venue um it's it's pretty intimate for what's supposed to be a professional relationship yeah and and Catherine Hahn just is this she comes in and shows this master class of reacting where she goes so this is where the party's at like trying to be <laughs> chill but clearly uncomfortable it's, yep she's amazing and then show she's or I'm sorry Justice using her lipstick did I read that yeah. right yes very odd I would yeah. like see someone else's things but also you know I mean she's just completely uh just egging on in every situation she's in um we see more egging on when she meets this random ex in this terrible hat um and he has a girlfriend named Gillian with a hard G mm-hmm. Um, but they have sex anyway, and it's just her her in every relationship egging people on and just kind of making messes. Wait, can I just, like, throw in a little anecdote really quick? Absolutely. So I was, like, talking to a friend about the show, and my friend was like, did you know that, like, Jemima Kirk's accent is, like, maybe fake? I was like, what do you mean? Oh, my God. Like, her and her sisters were on this, re- like, this talk show. I don't know if it's British or American. 
but they were saying something about how they all were born in, in England, but they moved to the States when they were young and all of the girls lost their accent, but except for Jemima, she kind of like kept it. Um, she didn't say that she's like putting it on, but she described it as like nurturing it. So it just makes me like think about her as a person, but also as a character, like, you know, just a fake British woman, but like kind of not really like. That makes kind so of, much sense. It does. And I'm like, okay. But yes, her and this, you know, weird ex character, which they didn't really explain why they met up. I feel like it obviously, again, is a self-serving thing for her to be like, I can hang out with my exes and have sex with them and everything is fine. But things were not. Exactly. She's just kind of, I don't know, just pressing buttons and teasing out situations and not caring about what happens. Um, It's kind of interesting to see this and like the flirtation with the dad, both of those things as like rebellions after her miscarriage. Yeah, that the first time I watched this show, I didn't really I I thought that Jess was easily the most random character. It was kind of hard to pick up on her motivations. But like over time with the rewatch, I'm starting to see that like everything she does is like a train. Like she just is intentionally trying to be as transgressive as possible just to like get as much childish rebellion in before it's too late yeah that's that's a great point like jessa as a character but like also jemima kirk like they both remind me of chloe seven mm-hmm. um, and have like her i think i don't know if natasha leone also grew up with her but there was a lot of talk about chloe being you know party childs in the city i think um, but just like also doing a lot of drugs and, you know, just growing up really quick. And I think that's the same thing that happened to like Jess's character. Like sh- she grew up very quick, she started doing all these drugs and became an addict. Um, and it followed her into her adult life. And now she's this like this big tornado that comes into people's lives, messes everything up, then leaves. And then, you know, she's just this, this plot device to like move things forward in a sense mm-hmm. and add a little bit of chaos which is needed but I mean they're all very chaotic in and of themselves yeah I wonder if that was an intentional to make her kind of uh, um, Chloe like mm-hmm. um, but the only time I think the only time we see Shosh in this episode is when um, she <laughs> like accidentally catches um uh she sorry she catches jessa and this guy having sex Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and is just kind of like cowering in the closet literally is this her only in this episode yeah yeah so funny i mean it's it's a very very shoshana moment so they they keep her they keep her spirit alive and, like, Jessa calls her a little pervert, as if Jessa's not the one crashing yeah. in Shosha's uh, bachelorette pad, to use Shosha's words. And it's just, like, it's this willful disregard for people's space, boundaries. Like, she she just, like, her version of intimacy is, like, pre-imposed like, on everyone else's. Yeah. 
That's an interesting, um, it's an interesting kind of switch mm -hmm. for her to just totally put it on Shosh, but when she's being the monster. Yeah. It's also like a disregard to her feelings as well, because I don't think Shoshana wanted to see her cousin having sex. No. No. You know, like, it kind of just happened. And her just cowering away in the closet, too, like, I think that also spoke to her character and just not wanting to, I guess, mess things up and because she sort of idolizes Jessa yeah. as like this weird, like free spirit, everything she can't be because Shosh is like very uptight and is trying to break out of that shell. Um, but yeah, she like disregarded her feelings in that moment and Shosh barely said anything. But... Should I we move on to Hannah? I was just going to say, I think we can finally get into our girl, Hannah. Because Hannah has a big week. She has a big week. Mm -hmm. um, this episode focuses on her relationship with Adam and her boss. So maybe we'll start with Adam. <laughs> oh, so last week, she and Adam had this conversation where Hannah sets like sort of an ultimatum about like, you might, you you have a good thing in front of you, choose me or I'll go away. Mm -hmm. And she thinks that they've gotten back together, even though he does not really affirm that. Um, and then it, he reminds her that they've like broken up and she misinterpreted their breakup sex as makeup sex. Exactly. But yeah. also like who has breakup sex? I mean, not that I could remember, but like, I think Adam also like misread the conversation too. Like, sure. I don't know. I, I think that like Adam is just this beautiful himbo who is just trying to skate through life. Um, which also, what the heck does that man do? Like, yeah, he gets he money from his grandma every month. Yes, like eight hundred dollars. But even yeah. then, I'm like, okay, how much is this apartment, and what are you living off of? Yeah, he's like a woodworker or something. But that's not a a job like it's just a hobby that he wants to do yeah. like fun with his friends but she goes into his apartment he's shirtless his pants unbuttoned as well i saw that i was like hey um yeah. and right. you know they just they get this big argument but it's interesting yeah. it's it's so he sorry she comes back to his apartment and he reminds her like we're broken up um and I don't know, they're going back and forth about their relationship. And Adam says something like, relationships end after six months or when someone gets bored, blah, blah, blah. People outgrow each other. And then mm -hmm. Hannah says, I don't want to, I don't want to outgrow each other. And then Adam goes, well, that's on you, kid. I'm done growing, which I thought was an awesome line. <laughs> I just, it's I'm so done like growing. It's, mm -hmm. you sure it, are. Exactly what that character, like, that type of guy would say like one of my biggest pet peeves is when adults call other adults kid oh. like it drives me crazy it's so like like yes it's like a pet name sort of but it's also so condescending too like and i yeah. think like hannah and adam are just two different breeds of narcissists like yeah like this like toxic male narcissist versus the like delusional girl narcissist like it's just not like they're just fundamentally incompatible and talking past each other always which like this is a good example of that but yeah and it, it goes to show like 
how he views Hannah, like, as a person, because also not only just, like, emotionally, but, like, sexually as well. Like, there's that, like, weird, like, childlike quality, and she, like, mentions it in later episodes. Like, oh, like, in the next episode, but we'll get to that. Like, she said something weird, and it brought me back to that moment where she talks about, you know, uh, where Adam calls her kid, and I was like, oh, wow, he really does view her as, like, this weird child's, like, emotionally, but also sexually. Everything is just, with that man, is makes no sense, but also a lot of sense at the same time. Um, because he, yeah, like, he doesn't, he he thinks that he's more emotionally mature than she is, but, you know, she's still, I don't know, I, I think she's a little bit more mature emotionally than he is. Right. It seems like she just wants to be the baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the kid thing, power dynamic stuff comes up later when um, Adam masturbates in front of her and kind of encourages her to call him, like, pathetic and, like, a, I don't know. It, it's very, like, a, I don't know. Yeah, and then, like, like uh, he wants to be a little boy. He wants to be, like, a bad little boy. And she, like, fin-doms him. She's, like, I, she says, I want cab money, you filthy boy. Which, once again, screaming, laughing at yeah. him. And she gets, like, $100 from him. And, I like, he, like, accepts it because it's also just restitution. Like, I think he kind of knows that he's he's fucked up a little bit and he's just – he's debasing himself as like a, a way to appease her. Mm-hmm. Mm, that is a good point. Yeah. Cause it's, it's after they have the conversation about how they're not together and she's all sad. And then maybe this like was kind of a pick me up for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then do we have anything else to say about her relationship with Adam or should we move on to the boss? Let's move on to the boss because like Moises talked about how these episodes are like horror movies and this scene made me I had to like take a lap after this (laughs) yep I had to also take a pause and I was just like like re-watching it for the first time again like I was baffled but it also just spoke to the time you know like yeah and all of that but we can get into that yeah, so we see um, we see her trying to have sex with her boss for the story, um, but he laughs in her face, and it's just it's a such an uncomfortable moment. She says um, he's asking for a sandwich. He starts giving his order, and she goes, "Drop the sandwich stuff. I know you want to fuck me. I'm gross, and so are you." And mm. he laughs and laughs. It's so sad. So, so, so sad. And, like, she she says, uh, I'm, like, making your fantasies come true. Why are you laughing? <laughs> like, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, she just thinks she's so much more worldly and confident than she, like, actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it, I mean, this is just a very ill-advised thing to do in general, but I... I just, it's, it really blows my mind. Like, she finds new ways to shoot herself in the foot every week. <laughs> no, I mean, but she also said she wanted to get fired. Like, obviously, she didn't like the job. Yeah. But the moment 
that she like switched it up and then she tried to like seduce him I was the intention there was like so confusing to me because I was just like you don't want this and obviously these advances are unwanted too like there's a lot of confusion there which made her you know you know come to this point and be like maybe I can get something out of this but it was was the wrong thing and I she definitely like tripped over her own feet and was just like yeah no um so I'm just going to go now. <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> and I'm going to leave. Yeah, then she threatens to sue him. Um, and yeah. he says, he says, there's no suing app on your iPhone, Hannah, which is perfect own. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. And she works as a, like a, a lawyer's office or that's what he is. I forget who he does. Yeah, like she, but it, I think it's unclear. I don't think it's ever really like, talked about what she does but she's kind of just this assistant type but doesn't really do anything he even tells her when she says she's going to quit he says don't quit you can't really do anything but you've got so much potential (laughs) like we see her uh, like banging her body into a box trying to break it down like cannot break down a box just completely useless so oh god Hannah, what a what a sweet sweet child. Yeah, it's so interesting how she recoils too when he says that she has potential, even in this kind of like undefined field, whatever office job there is. Like, mm. she just hates hearing that so much that she might be suited to a regular life that she just immediately like rejects it wholesale. That's yeah. a really good point. Like, she fancies herself a creative and when she hears that she might, yeah, no, exactly what you said. Yeah. And we see that in the next episode as well, which um, should we, should we start the next episode? Yeah, let's do it. So Julia, you've mentioned that this is not one of your favorite girls episodes. I have to disagree. I kind of liked it. I, okay. Here's what I'll say. I liked it a lot more than I remembered. I thought, I I just think I, I, I didn't like not, catching up with all of the girls but I honestly I, I had a great time watching it and um I don't know you, you learn a lot about Hannah here so she goes home to Michigan all of her stuff is in trash bags <laughs> she's flying home I just Wait, I thought very Angelina and Jersey Shore of her to like show yes. up with trash bags <laughs> and no suitcases yes oh my god that's such a good reference I love Jersey Shore so funny. <laughs> like, um, airlines let you do that? Like, are you allowed to just put things in trash bags and blow it <laughs> like check a bag? Like, I what? probably like here's I was thinking that too, and I'm like, I think, I think they have to let you. Like, what 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 could be the reason against it? Is it like elitist? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, suitcases are not cheap these days. Like, yeah. this is the pre-away luggage. Like, we weren't getting podcast codes for everything, so it was not easy to, you know, good luggage was hard to find. Good luggage was hard to find. You also, to... like, now you have to check a bag and like pay at least thirty to forty dollars per bag. Like, it's not cheap. And you know what? I respect it. Go off, sis. It was just so funny. Her like dumping the trash bag on the floor and then it explodes so this is the first of many kind of 
regressions. We see her regress by binge eating. She's mm-hmm. just like being bratty to her parents. She's uh, her, she, they're watching a movie together. They're watching a quote, a Netflix, as her mom said, <laughs> and she's just texting during it, acting like yeah. she'd rather be somewhere else. The scene where she yells at her mom for her mom insinuating that she's hungry and that's why she's cranky is something I live every time I go home, and that really, uh, that really uh, hit too close. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I know that feeling. <laughs> her mom literally not listening. She's like, I'm not hungry. She's like, okay, well, there's chicken in the frit. Like, just, <laughs> it, it, they do a really good job of painting the, you know, angsty daughter. daughter. And of course she, like, does raid the fridge because obviously that's, like, the natural progression of that, like, <laughs> just in spite. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the fact that she's an only kid, too, just makes so much sense. Like, I forgot that, and then she went home, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, she doesn't have any siblings, and all of the attention is on her all of the time, which is why she's, like, I, you know, can't make any sort of diagnosis, but, like, you know, it shows how she grew up, and all of the attention has always been on her, and people always paid attention to her, because there was no one else. Yeah. So, you know, it just makes so much sense that when she goes to New York, and there's 8 million other people in the city, and people aren't paying attention to her, she starts to get upset. Correct me if I'm wrong because I have not rewatched this show, but aren't are all the girls only children? Ooh. That's a good question. Um we should we should absolutely look absolutely look into that. We should do yeah. some No, I mean Jessa we get to see her dad's side where um they like live in upstate New York and he has like a stepson, but okay. not a, like an actual kid. Like, um, she doesn't have an actual sibling, but we don't know about her mom too much. That's the only one I could think of. Marnie is also an only kid, and so is Shoshana. Mm. I feel like I could... Yeah, yeah. that... This feels, yeah, purposeful. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when um, when Hannah's home, we kind of see her selfishness revealed over and over again, like... When she can't be bothered to get her mom's hot flash meds, she's in bed and, you know, sleeping till 11 and her mom's like, please go get these, this medication for me, just clearly suffering. And Hannah's like, I have five more minutes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, it served her well, because when she went to the pharmacy, she meets the hot pharmacist. Exactly. But before she goes to the pharmacy, even, she takes a pit stop at a cafe where she's... (laughs) Um, like, come on. But she oh, runs God. into Heather, this old kind of friend-ish, you know, I hesitate to say friend, um, who's mm-hmm. moving to Hollywood to be a dancer. <laughs> and she mentions she's setting up a benefit for this girl, Carrie, who went missing. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm curious about, like, everyone <laughs> acts like the Carrie gone missing thing is very serious. But it, it what, what do we think about that? It seems like this girl might not just be like not answering anyone. <laughs> yeah, like, like any sort of benefit in a or like just in a comedy show is always funny. It's just like it is one of those perfect scenarios every time. Like I just a girl who went missing is such a perfect reason to throw a benefit because it's like what are you gonna do? <laughs> like who are you benefiting? I think, I think she asked like what is what are we raising money for and I. 
she says like, oh, I think her parents are trying to hire a private investigator. Oh, wait, I think that like when she was recounting the story to Hannah, she was like, yeah. And then they realized they could never reach her. I was like, does that mean she's dead? Like nobody knows. (laughs) She just like ghosted this entire town. I, I, mean, I had to run to IMDb during the this scene too because I was like, "Who is this woman that's playing Heather?" And it was for any uh, Pretty Little Liars heads out there, it was CC from Pretty Little Liars. So if you were wondering, oh, wow. who is she? Catch. It was CC. <laughs> she looked familiar, but she kind of reminded me of Britney Snow. I want to say she definitely but, is giving some Britney Snow. Yeah. Um. But. After that, though, we see her. She finally makes it to the pharmacist, and uh, pharmacist is like, "Oh, you went to my high school," and asks her on a date, and the date is to the benefit. Um, mm. Oh my god, uh, we, the benefit scene is beyond. I think we need to get right into it. Well, well, no, we also have to talk about when she gets like you know everything that she needs to at the pharmacy. He meets her in the car. And then he gives her a personal lubricant for her mom. Like, oh my God. why did he do that? Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> I literally was so uncomfortable. I was like, who asked for that? <laughs> okay, wait. That's insane. You know what it probably is that like her mom goes to that pharmacy a lot and gets asks buys lube, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also could have been like, you know, he didn't know how to approach her. So he was like, oh yeah, by the way. That's um, Women who have these problems need this. Yeah. Um, oh, like, so, so much of these episodes are about how men just cannot mm. reckon or foster intimacy with women in, like, appropriate ways. <laughs> like, yeah, is this is just, like, another another guy just trying to forge a connection or, like, be chummy but just can't, like, do it normally. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much. That makes a lot of sense. True words. Mm-hmm. Um, the benefit scene though complete oh, complete that <laughs> we have to talk about it um, well I, okay. I, they get there and the song that's playing is um, you know the song, I'll be yeah which, oh yeah which just be, I don't I don't know why that just feels so it's a great touch to have that song playing I feel like both because this town is maybe a little stuck in the past mm-hmm. and also because it's like such a such a song for a benefit for a missing girl yeah. i always associate this song with being like the love theme from the hillary duff a cinderella story and oh. that seems like such a good fit for like a, like this kind of high school or like high school class would be revisiting sort of like the feeling from that movie or whatever absolutely also the that too like it reminds me of search party if you guys have seen that um what her name is the woman who goes missing chantal chantal (laughs) (laughs) chantal (laughs) they do the candlelight visual (laughs) absolute parallels there i wonder if they were informed by this scene because they play oh heather the girl who's going to move to hollywood and become a dancer um and two other girls they go by heather travis and the twist arounds they perform pretty girl pretty girl rock which is just like this 
three girl like two step dance. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sung by Carrie Hilson. Uh-huh. <laughs> my is Carrie, I'm so very fly on my it's just like it's like the lyrics of the song are so it's just in such poor taste for a missing girl named Carrie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fly oh God. On my, it's yeah. a little bit scary. It's the yeah. also the first of a few embarrassing performances on this show. Cough, Barney, cough. It kind yeah. of predicted the future too, because like Carrie Hilson kind of went missing. Like, Did she? <laughs> not like missing, but like missing from the pop cultural realm. Like, yeah, allegedly, allegedly, Beyonce ruined her career. But you know, that's a story for a different day. I think they got into like some sort of beef, but. Beyonce would never publicly say anything. Yeah. Carrie said that Beyonce wasn't that great in an interview, which is just an objectively crazy thing to say. And I think she was the Beehive's first victim. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is is a crazy thing to say and a crazy thing to, like, go on record of saying. Yeah. That's, like, one of the few things where, you know, Beyonce has been, like, a little snippy. Mm -hmm. But, I mean... There's a lot. But yeah, she also kind of went missing. So I love the connection. Um, but later in the car, Hannah kind of criticizes the performance. Um, also worth noting, the pharmacist who she's on a date with the whole time is like nodding his head along and it's <laughs> smiling. And he Hannah, you could see her crawling. Her. Yeah, and you could see Hannah crawling into her skin. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. But she calls it cheesy and like calls out the fact that Heather is moving to LA to be a dancer and like how she's going to be alone and scared in an apartment because she's just not that good. Yeah. Yeah. She's not at all. <laughs> like she it is like a condescending thing to say, but Hannah, like I do think New York has hammered in some sort of realism to her. Like she kind of knows what you need to survive in the big city mm-hmm. which is like talent and fortitude but like hannah delusionally thinks she has both of those things like it's not like it's like a valid critique but it's not coming from the right person yes yeah. that's so true i, I exactly like i feel like she's right on all points in my opinion like the dance mm-hmm. was stupid and in poor taste and she's not a great dancer but i feel yeah. like there's definitely some superiority complex in her tone like she's kind of revealing her new york city bubble brain and privilege mm-hmm. yeah it's giving like you know young girl whose mom told her that she's a great dancer or a great performer and therefore she should pursue it as a career and then took that a little too literally and mm-hmm. is gonna you know face reality when she actually tries to go out in there and do it because oh boy does she have a rude awakening coming <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I um she Hannah says something like, Why doesn't Heather just stay here? She has a great life. And then she says, Maybe I should move here so I could focus on writing my book instead of paying rent. Um and then they, there's this really telling back and forth between her and the pharmacist. Um she goes or no, the pharmacist says, There's an opening at the florists, and she says, No, I'd get a real job like a teacher. And he oh. says, well, what do you do in New York for work? And she says, I'm a writer. And he says, that's how you make money? And she says, no, I don't have money. And then the conversation ends. <laughs> yeah. Also, 
when she also before even before the date she said you're from new york therefore you're just naturally interesting so there's that like superiority oh. there yeah, yeah she says the worst thing you say is better than the best things they uh, say which is I, like whew. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. really bad yeah i mean she stuck her own foot in her mouth with that i don't make any money but here we are. Exactly. <laughs> well, and and then she tries to like stick a finger in his like butt when they have sex. Like, okay. Yes. We yeah. need to get to the sex. <laughs> so they, they, uh, her and the pharmacist like have sex on his flannel sheets. Again, great set dressing, great touch. And yeah. um, she just kind of is trying all these different things like that you know uh, most most people might deem a little much for the first time you're having sex with someone she's tries to stick her finger in his butt and he says oh i just i just want to have normal sex and then she says um i'm tight like a baby right yep (laughs) and i i just can't tell if this is like earnest you know like earnestly what she wants or if it's just her thinking like this is what i should want i'm edgy and i'm from new york yeah, she's trying to, like, be, like, urbane and edgy in a way that, like, I mean, and she's also just trying to, like, put sex with Adam onto this man. Mm, mm-hmm. That's exactly oh, that's my point. feelings on that. Because yeah. we've seen the way that, like, they have sex, but then the later episodes, we see how Adam treats other women. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what her name is, but Natalia in that episode. Oh, yeah. Sure, uh, be. The what? Her Cherie Appleby, yeah, yes, in season two. Yeah, and I, but I'm just I'm curious as to like how you guys see this because I was like, they didn't have sex like that before this episode. Like it wasn't more like sub dom, mm-hmm. and her trying to place this on him was very weird and didn't make sense. Um, and the whole like I'm tight like a baby, that was just the most cringe, like, I wanted to take my skin off because I was like, this is, you need to stop it. Stop. Why would you say that to someone? Like, I don't think that's where, like, my idea of, like, how Adam views her sexually um, came from with this one line. I was like, that's so weird, but curious to hear your thoughts on that as well. It it seems like she's just really just throwing spaghetti at a wall, like, just trying to see what sticks, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know very unsure of herself and her own kind of sexuality and just seeing what sticks and trying different things and also kind of with this uh I'm from New York and I've had weird sex and so I'm going to say this really insane thing (laughs) yeah that was deeply uncomfortable to watch and I he still had sex with her so more and also we also just need to talk about the fact that she continuously has sex with the most hot people Um, on the like what yeah not i think it was like the the one doctor that she spends the day with oh patrick wilson yeah oh my god i was like i want to spend the doctor the day with that man like what the heck to stumble onto his house this pharmacist um He's played by Lou Taylor Pucci, who's just, like, one of those guys who's in everything, like, just character mm-hmm. actor. I think he's in the Ryan Murphy-verse now, but, like, he's been a long time, like, 
little character actor crush of mine. And I forgot that he was in this. Very happy to see him pop up. He's great. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I Nice that they were still able to have sex after she said that. But um, I'm, I'm not sure if it's worth getting into her parents' anniversary dinner and their sex accident. Do we think there's anything there to unpack? <laughs> I mean, I think the only thing it tells us is that they're getting older. Yeah. Um, and She's I think, seeing mortality. Yes, exactly. And I think that might be jarring for her to see because I think everyone goes through those those moments where you realize that your parents are getting older and mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable to watch. But also, you know, seeing her parents naked is also fucking weird. Yeah. But... Yes. <laughs> so for those who maybe didn't just recently watch this episode, um, Hannah's parents uh, like had their anniversary dinner and then they come home, they're a little like sauced and they have shower sex and her dad ends up falling on the floor and really hurting himself. Um, So Hannah comes home and she's like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) A hard moment. I think that, and then the hot flash meds, you're, you're right, Moises. I think it is just, um, she's realizing that she's not a baby anymore and her parents are um, getting older. I yeah. do like seeing um, her parents, like, they, they just seem like they have such a good, loving relationship, and they really are comfortable with each other and, and like, know each other very well, which, I mean, not to, like, jump way too far ahead, like, across seasons, but we do find out that their relationship is sort of predicated on this, like, lie-slash-fundamental divide but, like, for now, it's, I mean, it's just so sweet to see, like, an actual healthy functioning relationship as opposed to the girls. Yeah. That is Definitely. true. Um, the episode ends with Hannah and Adam on the phone. So they're, like, finally starting to build some intimacy, you know, even just as friends. Mm-hmm. And I think on this phone call, we do realize, like, they don't, they don't know anything about each other. She says, I'm calling you because if you disappeared, I wouldn't know. I don't know your friends. I don't know your mom. Mm. And Adam at one point says, he says, uh, how's Ohio? Cause he doesn't know she lives in Michigan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think this is a, a telling moment for the future of their relationship. Just how they're kind of not starting from square one, but starting to build like an actual relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the most jarring moment was like seeing the the iPhone software that she had, and oh it was God, like, yes. like it was so old. And I was like, this is reminding me because I didn't even have an iPhone, and like until later. But mm-hmm. at that time, I had a BlackBerry. I want to say, oh, yeah. and everyone else had like iPhone threes and stuff. And I was like, wow, like the 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 layout and everything was just so interesting in and of itself, but I'm just, yeah, I, I think listening to their phone call was a good, like, development for their relationship, mm-hmm. and it was, like, a good, like, setting the groundwork for what's to come, um, and it made me want to root for them, which was nice, because I was like, they actually do kind of have feelings for each other, and Adam isn't just this, you know, tall himbo character that is devoid of feelings. So that's nice. Um, 
And then I don't know if this is the last line of the episode or if one of the last lines, but she, we see her just kind of tracing around the front lawn on the phone, barefoot in her PJs. And she says something like, why doesn't everyone struggling in New York just move here and start the revolution? Like she's, she's really kind of, uh, I don't know, her naivete, her new to New York, new to adult life-ness is, you know, it's kind of charming in this moment. Yeah. I mean, can I talk about the later episodes, the one that I'm watching? Yeah. Like when she moves to Iowa for the writer's retreat, she says the same exact thing where she's just like, realizing how cheap rent is there and she's like why doesn't everyone just move here and start the revolution i was like oh my god girl get a new line (laughs) people just want to hate themselves in new york city let it be okay yeah you're fine with paying nine hundred dollars like why don't you do that then (laughs) exactly but then she hates it yeah the thing about hannah is she doesn't want to start any revolutions she wants to be a follower which you know she doesn't want to admit to herself either she yeah. thinks she's this trendsetter and the coolest person she's ever met, which is obviously very false. True. Should we get into our final segment or do you have any final thoughts on? I don't have any additional thoughts. I definitely, I mean, I think the, the order of, so our final segment, we usually rank the girls mm-hmm. from who had the best week to who had the worst week. And I think this week was pretty clear for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, do you want to take it away? Yeah. So I put Shosh on top by default once again. I think Shosh, like, yes, yeah, she is this like naive, silly woman in a lot of respects, but like she stays out of the mess. She is unproblematic. She didn't do anything this week, and for that reason, she is on top. Mm-hmm. Um, then Marnie. Because she finally breaks up with Charlie, even though if she she does it in a really, like, terrible roundabout way that, like, will psychologically damage him, as we see in later seasons of the show. Um, But she does, like, get out of a pretty toxic situation. Um, Jess is below that because her chaos is, like, too wanton and too... um, She's just too reckless and... Mm like completely disregards other people's feelings and then i mean hannah like it's just a series of l's once again like <laughs> she she has like a little nice moment with adam at the end but i wouldn't i mean like she she doesn't get what she wants with adam like she like quits her job in just like teeth gnashing fashion like just all truly 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 horrible to watch um and she just is annoying. Like, she's always annoying. <laughs> like, it's really hard. Like, I think she's such a well-written character. And, like, Lena is a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's just... To place her at the center of the show, like, it's it's a good creative choice in that she is so, like, provocatively unlikable that, like, it it's almost subversive. But it just... It's so hard. Mm. to root for her and like support any of her choices because I, would... okay. I have a lot of thoughts i would say um i would put hannah first just because you know she had this big moment with adam that you know set the bound like set the groundwork for their relationship and what's to come 
And, you know, obviously, again, L after L, but she had sex and, you know, she got to go to some weird benefit and make fun of her <laughs> high school classmates. So not all losses there. Um, I would I say think this is the first time that Hannah has placed above third in our ranking. So thank you for being a trailblazer. <laughs> well, it was hard, but I was like, no, no, I have to disagree because Hannah's got the, the, the best out of them all. Because, you know, also Shosh, like, obviously stays out of the mess. But then, again, she had to see her cousin had sex. So Very good point. not great. And she still hasn't had sex. So there's that. Um, Jessa, I would say, you know, third. Because, you know, she also had sex. And it's just chaotic. <laughs> but, like, you know, she didn't do anything too crazy these past two episodes. Um, except, you know, have sex with someone who she probably shouldn't have. Um, and then Marnie at the bottom because Marnie's always at the bottom and she's literally the worst character and I hate her. Oh my uh, God. I don't have to say that with my you're, whole chest. Because... You're talking to a Marnie stan right here. No. Have you know, I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't identify with her, but like, I, I think Allison Williams is the best actor on the show. Oh, I will give her that. But she, every time Marnie opens her mouth, I want her to close it because she says the most out of pocket shit. And it's like, why? And then we, I'm so mad that we're not even getting into the episode about where she takes over Charlie's like event and starts to sing stronger. Oh my God. Oh my God. Maybe we'll the have to have you back for that one. Yeah. We'll go on a long tangent about how selfish and how terrible she is because she. She, again, does it again with Hannah's birthday. So there's a lot. There's so, so much. She is constantly outdoing herself. And I really, you're measuring or balancing us out in a very beautiful way. Because I, I, I'm sympathetic towards Marnie. I, I have called her the secret straight man a lot of times. Because she sometimes is really saying what the audience is thinking. Calling, mm. calling the girls out on their bullshit. But she is also just, um, you know, stuck up and annoying. Mm-hmm. She is the worst. I hate her. I Like, she is the most self-involved person, like, even more than Hannah. Because nothing that ever comes out of her mouth is has to do with anyone besides herself. Even when she gives someone a compliment, like, no one loves you or something like that. Or no <laughs> one has loved you the way I do or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She says, she says, like, I, I love you that much. You know, like, maybe exactly. you've never been loved that much by anyone but me. Exactly. And, like, you can't even give a compliment without no, turning it on yourself. No, it is. And, like, the, the, I did sort of see what she did there. Like, it is the classic, like, you say something accidentally a little problematic, and then, like, you have to pivot it into something. Yeah. Like, kind of. Like, I accidentally, um, to one of my dear friends the other day, who has been to a lot of weddings this summer, I called her the bridesmaid, which I didn't realize what I was saying until, like, (laughs) until what I, uh, until, like, I saw her face, like, crumple, um, and I, I did, I saw what Marnie was trying to do there as someone who has accidentally been there myself, so. Mm -hmm. Oh. I'd have to say my rankings are exactly the same as Drew's. Ooh. Okay. I I I like we've said before, it's gonna be hard keeping Hannah out of the bottom of these rankings. 
but I'm glad you I'm glad you saw her in a favorable light this week. And you know what? This might be the only week I do it because sure. <laughs> my God, does she just say the thing? Like the way I kind of explain the show to people is it's it's as if Lena Denham wrote every intrusive thought that she's ever had, like, and just put it all to paper. Because I'm like, how does she say the things? Like, I can't even imagine saying half the things she says. And that's a good way she of got it. Out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. A good way of putting it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and our final segment is which which girl did you relate to most in these episodes? Ooh. So you can. One of us can go first if you want to think on it. Yeah, I'll let you guys go first. Okay. Drew, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll just, I'll double down. I was Marnie this week, both for the <laughs> aforementioned, like, comment, um, parallel comments. And without going into too much detail, because I do not want to blow up anyone's spot, I have broken up with an ex in almost the exact same way Marnie broke up with Charlie today. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, when I when I was, to be fair, when I was, like, 20 one so you know i know better now but like yeah not great marnie (laughs) marnie for the day not not anymore like okay i was gonna say yeah if this if this podcast becomes um me gradually realizing that i am a marnie over the course of like however many weeks like i i'm not gonna be super happy with (laughs) like the end result of like this artistic endeavor but we'll see what happens Mm -hmm. um i i think embarrassingly i was i was definitely hannah because i i feel like i have suffered from the i live in new york so i'm interesting um through my maybe like early 20s and i also um have moved apartments with trash bags (laughs) for all my clothes again Mm -hmm. in my early 20s yes 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 Everyone struggles in their early 20s. Yeah, I, I was, I, I'm no longer uh, Hannah. I, I can pretty firmly say, but I definitely have had my Hannah moments. And I, I, you know, going back to your hometown and being like, everyone is going to listen to what I say and think I'm more interesting than I was before. Um, yeah. And you know what? They don't. They don't give a shit. Yeah. That is true. I feel like, well, I'm freshly 25, so I've turned the corner of my early 20s into my mid-20s, and things are looking a little bit better, you know? Like, it's good, so I don't want to feel like Hannah, but I might identify with her the most, like maybe Shoshana, but I'm not, I'm not as, like, meek as she is mm-hmm. because if I was if my cousin was staying over in my house <laughs> and I walked into them having sex it would be over I would be you know I would obviously be out the door and be like you know what do your thing go um but yeah I'm gonna have to just stick with Hannah because she's going through it she's she's got a lot going on in her life I would not make the same choices that she's made um, nor can I understand why she did certain things, but she is a writer like I am, um, and she was in her early 20s, so, like <laughs> I recently was, so those are the only two ways I can relate to her. 
but oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think we're coming to the end of our of our show. This was so much fun. So yeah, much fun. Time. Thank you guys what, for having me on. Well, thank you for being here. Where can people find you on social media? Ooh. Um, both my Twitter and my Instagram are Moises Fenty. So M O I S E S F E N T Y on both Twitter and Instagram. Amazing. You've yeah. been so great, honestly. I can't overstate how good it was to have your kind of uh, differing opinion. I feel like Drew and I are so uh, millennial brain, so kind of, um, I don't know, obsessed with this show that having you hear Gen Z also more critical of it was really great. Yeah. We need yeah. a fresh perspective. We do. Yeah. I never thought I'd meet some Marnie apologists, but I guess there's <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, there is. We're building uh, sister community here, so that's you'll, you'll have to come, you'll have to come back for the uh, like Marnie's biggest flops. Oh, oh my God, yes, that is such a good thing. I I would love to recount them all because okay. I would go in on this girl, especially <laughs> yeah. for the stronger of it all. Yeah, I'm still. Well, you, have, you have an open invite. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate that. Definitely let me know, and I will be back. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.